photos as much as I did going through them. Uh, my kids actually were um, busy uh, over COVID time and taking all of our old family photos and scanning them so we could make them digital. And here's this uh, folder in there. It says Brooke big on it. And I'm like, oh, man, look at all these pictures. So I scanned those in several months ago. Knew I was coming here. I said, i got to bring those and hopefully bring some joy to you as well. So uh, some of those events are just memorable to us. Uh, some of us were talking about the ice storm that happened in 91 here where Sherry Sanders was one of our sponsors. We stayed at her little cubicle house here all packed together Lou and Sherry and uh, Susie were you there too in that mix I don't oh my goodness and then cooking soup downstairs on the old stove that they had but uh, that was some crazy times there so we loved it um, hey I, while, while I was sitting there I want to tell you a memory came to mind of something that I learned here at Brook uh, that I have taken with me for 30-some years of ministry now, I did one of my first weddings here on this stage, and I wish I could remember who it was, but I don't know. But what I did, I took my Bible, and I uh, asked, are there rings to seal these vow, as you do, and I took the rings from the best man, and I put them in the fold of my Bible, and lo and behold, the rings started rolling down the Bible on the floor, and there's a grate. I'm sure there's still a grate over in that area, and it was like inches from the grate, and I was just sweating to beat the band. So now when I I do a wedding, guess what I do? Are there rings to seal these vows? And I take the rings and I put them on my pinky because <laughs> they're not going anywhere. I just, I could not believe that. Well, hey, um, one of the things uh, that I received um, last night was a uh, Facebook message from Lynn Ross, who is my cousin, who was secretary here, who was here as a church member as well, raised her children here. I just wanted to share with you what she said and a little encouragement to you and it was to me as well. I watched the two services, she said, from Brooke last night after I got back from spending the weekend with Wendy. Uh, it was so great to see you preaching at Brooke again. I love that church family. They were part of my life from 1975 when we began dating until uh, we moved to Lincoln in 1992 with K. Paul. Uh, tell your family, my family, and tell everyone, the church here, hello from me. Love you all. So hello from Lynn Ross there. And she'll be either watching online or watching a little bit later tonight as well. Well, our theme for the weekend has been, what again? Keeping the love, the, the love command. And that's what we're looking at. We've been looking at a number of verses that have, and hopefully you've discovered something new or something's been brought back to your attention again that needs your attention on God's behalf here. And so we've looked at this passage. Passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10. It set the stage for us. And I'm not, oh, you're not changing that for me, Chauncey. I got to do that, don't I? Uh, and, and so this is the verse. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. God is our instructor. He is uh, the, our, our personal teacher, tutor here. And he's committed himself to teach us how to love one another. And so we need to embrace that and believe that if we don't know how to love and we don't know how to love agape love, we know how to love a selfish love, an eros love, um, but God needs to be the one to teach us this agape love. And so this is the first thing we've learned. He is the one to teach us this. And agape love, this God love, it doesn't come naturally to us. Why is that? It's because we love ourselves too much. And so self-love comes out in our flesh, in our worldly ways, all we think about is us in the midst of that. But when we come to Jesus, that's supposed to change, isn't it? We become someone new in Him. The Scriptures say we become a new creation. You've heard that before. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. What? The old is gone 
and the new is come. And that new us, this new us is to carry on this life of love that was modeled for us by our Savior Jesus Christ. And so we also learn in this passage that we are to be growing and excelling. We, yet we urge you brothers to do so more and more. To do what more and more? To, to love each other more and more. We don't reach a place where we say, there, I've done it. I've done my share of love. I've loved enough. That's not the case. God will offer us opportunity after opportunity every day to show His love for others. And we will either win in that or we will fail in that. So let me ask you this question from our time together. Is the call to love optional in the life of a Christian? Absolutely not. It is a command to us. We've looked at Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the head of the church, has given us an order, has given us a command. And so the daily task of our lives should be centered around, am I keeping the command? Am I keeping the love command? I'm going to have you read that love command together with me. Here it is from John 13:34. Uh, let's read it together. A new command I give you, love one another. And here's the standard. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so we've learned in this that we have been given a command. We've learned we've been given a standard. And what is our standard? Or who is our standard? Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the one. And so again, God has promised to personally teach us how to obey this very command He's given to us. So we looked at a couple ways. And so yesterday, uh, Sunday morning, God taught us that love prefers one another. This was our passage, our main scripture that we looked at. Uh, uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another. And we spent a lot of time looking at that word preference and what that means. And I gave you this illustration that I hope sticks with you for the rest of your life. When I say to you, coffee or tea, okay, what do you prefer you're going to think of that word prefer, and when I prefer, I'm putting something up, and I'm putting something else behind. So I'm a tea drinker, so I prefer tea, I leave coffee behind. So is it going to be coffee or tea? Is it going to be you, or is it going to be me? Who am I going to prefer? That's what this is speaking about. Who are you going to prefer in life? Yourself? And if you do, then you're putting others down. Are you going to put others before yourself? Here's another passage we looked at that speaks of that as well. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. See, that's the self-love that we often deal with. Rather, in humility, do what? Value others above yourselves. Value others. Can you treat other people as more important and valuable than yourself? Yes, you can. Does that mean they are more valuable than you? No, that's not what it means at all. But God calls us to treat them in this way that they have value. It means you're loving people like God loves people. And here's what's going to happen if you decide to do this and love this way and follow the love command. You're going to be sad in life, right? Because you're going to be sacrificing all the time and you're going to be giving all the time. Is that what the Scriptures tell us? No, we're going to be filled with joy, the joy of the Lord, and it's going to overflow in our life we talked about. Most people think if I love like Jesus, then my life is going to be down and, and sad and i got to give everything away. Nope, that's not what happens. He fills you with His joy. So last night we talked about love, uh, that God taught us that love does no harm. And here was our key verse in Romans 13. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 
And so love is acting like the secret service, we said. Somebody who surrounds the president. We're to surround other people, keeping them from harm. And there are a lot of people in harm's way, whether through abuse or whether through just self-neglect or, or whatever the situ- situation might be. And God's called us and put us in place of different people that we can be that protection for them. It's what Jesus did for us, isn't it, when He went to the cross? Who deserved the cross? You and I did. And He became that person that took our place there. Also asked you consider what kind of wake you are leaving. Remember that? We talked about a boat, how a boat creates a wake behind it. Peaceful wake. I love being out on a boat. And so when we enter a room, when we are with people, we should leave a wake behind us of blessedness. And when we leave that room, people ought to be filled with joy and laughter and and feeling good about themselves. But we also talked about how a tornado leaves a wake at times. And what's a tornado leave? Destruction and death. And so the question last night was, are you helping or are you hurting people? Love does no harm. Well, tonight let's look at one more truth that God's going to bring us from His Word. And the truth of that tonight is love covers. Say that with me. Love covers. And here's our key passage for tonight in 1 Peter. It says, Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. So what's the opposite of cover? What's the opposite of cover? Uncover. Uncover, isn't it? To expose or to reveal. So I want you to listen to this verse again as I read it in a way that... And truth is, if you take truth and turn the negative around, it still can be truth and you can see it in that light. So let me read this passage in the negative, I would call it. Above all... Love each other deeply because love doesn't uncover, doesn't expose, doesn't reveal a multitude of sins. And I want you to keep that in mind tonight as we talk about this story that we're going to look at in the Scriptures that God is calling us not to uncover, expose, reveal the sins of others in their life, but we're to cover over. And so you've heard the term before, cover up, right? A cover-up. Some cover-ups are lies. Um, Some cover-ups are love. And it all depends on how you're covering something up and what you're covering up. Let me give you an example. Probably the most known national cover-up occurred in 1972 in the U.S. Anybody know what happened during that time? Watergate. The Watergate scandal and President Nixon and his aides, they attempted to cover up the June 17th break-in of the Democratic National Committee offices at the Watergate complex. And it became this huge cover-up. Was this cover-up an act of love? No, absolutely not. When a guilty party covers his own offense, it's a lie and there is no love in that type of cover-up other than a love of self. And it was self-preservation, wasn't it? That's why they did this cover-up. And so when God is going to teach us tonight that love covers over a multitude of sins, He's not talking about lying or a deceitful cover-up. You've heard that phrase, sweeping it under the rug or sweeping it under the carpet, haven't you? You've heard that before? And I mean, let's just kind of sneak it away and get rid of it here. You and I, we are never, ever to lie for anybody. For ourselves, for our spouse, for a neighbor, for a boss. We are never to be a person who covers up something for someone else that sin has been involved in that situation. God calls us to be a people of truth. There is no love in lying and covering up someone else's sin is is wrong if, if they've asked us to do that. I think our passage in 1 
Peter 4.8 is best understood by us turning to the Old Testament. And I have this odd, sometimes overlooked story that I want to share with you in the Old Testament. And it comes from Genesis chapter 9. Uh, if you want to turn there and kind of look, I'm going to tell the story more than, than read the Scripture. But do you know what's in Genesis 6, 7, and 8? What, what story is in those chapters? Any guesses or idea? Big boat. Did you say Noah? Noah. The story of Noah is in there and the flood. And chapter 9 ends with the boat landing on the mountain and then what's in the sky? The rainbow. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story of God's promise and commitment to mankind. Well then, the latter half of chapter 9 begins to deal with a story uh, dealing with the sons of Noah. And so let me summarize this story. It starts in verse 20 here. Verse 20 tells us that Noah was a man of the soil. So Noah was what? He's a farmer. He's like my dad. He's a farmer here. And he plants a vineyard. And out of vineyards you get grapes. grapes and out of grapes you get wine. wine. And so he makes some wine. And the scripture tells us he drinks some wine. And then he drinks some more wine. And he has a little bit more wine. And what happens when you drink a little bit more wine like that? You get drunk. Yeah. And you get sleepy. And so he passes out. And he's lying unconscious in his tent. And not only is he passed out and unconscious, the Scripture tells us he's naked. He's got no clothes on here. And so I told my family the other day, hey, here's my Monday night sermon. I'm preaching on a drunk, naked sailor is what I'm going to preach on here. So I was over at Denny, uh, Dennis Harmon's um, visiting with him earlier tonight. I said, you got to come tonight. I'm preaching on a drunk, uh, drunk, naked sailor. So you can see why this story gets left out of children's books, can't you? Out of children's Bibles here. So his youngest son is named Ham. Ham comes in. And sees Noah in this state. Sees him naked. And, and what would you think you would do? What, what should happen here when you see... You know, that's a pretty uncomfortable thing, walking in on your dad, and this is the state he's in. So what, what do you think should happen out of this? Well, here's what the Scriptures tell us happened. Verse 22. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. Why would he do that? Why would, why would anybody do something like that? Because he knew something that nobody else knew, didn't he? Man, that kind of gives you some power, doesn't it? When you know something about somebody that nobody else knows about them, it kind of gives you that little... Hmm. So I'm going to go run and tell my brothers because this is something that is newsworthy, right? And so Ham becomes, in the Scriptures, the first reporter. That was his job here is what he's doing. This is big news. Ham had the exclusive. He was first on the scene. He's going to report this because the public has the right to know, don't they? And so here's his headline. Righteous Noah found drunk and naked. And that's what he tells his brothers. Hey, I just saw Dad. You're not going to believe this. He's naked laying in his tent. He's passed out. He's drunk. <clears throat> Let me tell you this. If you love someone, first, what we talked about just a moment ago, you don't lie for them. You don't cover over that sin and what they've done. You don't cover over whatever they're asking you to with a lie but neither do you publish someone's mistakes. Neither do you broadcast somebody's mistakes. First Peter 4.3 again, above all, love each other deeply. Let me say it in the negative again. Because love doesn't uncover. 
Love doesn't expose. Love doesn't reveal a multitude of sins. And that's what Ham did in this. He uncovered, he exposed what Noah had done to his brothers. I got some gossip to share. And so the real test of love is this. What do you do when you find out some juicy news about your neighbor, about your co-worker, about your friend? What do you do when you, they found themselves in a pickle and this person's found out to maybe had an affair or stole some money, embezzled some money, they got a DUI or maybe they got arrested? Well, what do you do with that juicy news? Are you quick to write up a news headline letting others know and share it with those around you? Or are you quick to get on your knees and begin to pray for them? Noah's son Ham was not loving his father. He was exposing his problems. And he was, one translation says, revealing his shame to others around him. I don't know why he would do a thing like that, but you know, being the first to... To know things seems to give us this special feeling of importance and, and maybe a little bit of pride in that. Maybe it's this, that when we know something about somebody, it kind of puts us up a notch and it can do what to the other person? Bring them down a notch. And we like to play those games with one another. Not believers. Because that's wrong. That's wrong living and that's not godly love. There's no love in that. And so if you know the rest of this story... You know what Noah and his two other sons did in this? If not, let me read verse 22 for you. And this is in Genesis. Have that up? Yep. But Shem and Japheth, that's the two other brothers, they took a garment and they laid it across their shoulders and then they walked in backward and did what? And covered. And covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. I used to think this is one of the weirdest stories in the Bible. Just following the flood and, and the glory of the rainbow. And then this is the story you get with that. Now it's become one of my favorite stories here. Because it's teaching me what it means about covering over a multitude of sins. Here's our verse again. Let me say it again. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. What Shem and Japheth did, that's love, wasn't it? They were caring about someone. They weren't looking down on their father. They, were, they weren't rubbing his nose in the situation of what he had just done. Instead, you do all you can in a person's life that's been like this. You do all that you can to keep them out of the limelight. We don't play the ham thing. Guess what I just found out? Guess what I just learned? Instead, we cover over that. You don't exploit their failure. You don't expose their sin. You don't make headlines letting the world know what their wrong was. Instead, you cover it. You keep it quiet. And you help the person then to get through the situation they've just been in. You cover it up because you love them. You don't want them shamed. You don't want them embarrassed. You don't want them ridiculed. You don't want them humiliated. That's what love is all about when we, when we cover over sins. We don't push them under the rug. We just don't expose them out to the rest of the world. And so many people love that. And we use a word called gossip in order to share those headline news things. Listen to another verse we read in the Old Testament wisdom book of Proverbs. Whoever would foster love, what's it say? Covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter, and so repeating it is, you know what so-and-so did? That's repeating it. What, whoever repeats the matter 
separates close friends. Love doesn't take place, does it? Instead, the relationship is torn apart if we're going to say something about others. Here's the way the message, and again, I love the message translation. Overlook an offense and bond a relationship. Fasten on to a slight or, or a sin is what that means and goodbye friend. And that's what happens when we make headlines with the ills and the fallings and the failings of our fellow men and women. Isn't this how God has loved us? His love covered our failures. His love covered our mistakes. His love has covered our sins. Look at the Scriptures. Look at Isaiah 43. I, even I, this is God speaking, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That's covering over sins. How about Psalm 103? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. Rich, let me help you. The east is from the west. <laughs> We've been joking around of directions here. He's, he's pointing Morocco this way. Morocco is this way. You know, uh, north and south, what, what do they do? They connect, don't they? You go north, eventually you become south. You go east, does east ever reach west? It never does. And that's how far our sins He removes from us. Covering them. Not just covering them, getting rid of them. How about one more here in Jeremiah 31? And this passage is also in Hebrews uh, chapter 8-12. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And so God, if God can take people and He, for, and he can forgive them and see them as clean, why can't you and I do the same thing? Why can't you and I do the same? When we see people falling and failing, why can't we love them in this way of covering over a multitude of sins? And if He's not going to remember our sins... Why are you hanging on to other people's sins and remembering them? You know, some of us live with years of remembrance of sin. Remember that old saying, what is it? Bury the, bury the hatchet. And the idea behind that is, let's get rid of this. Let's be done with it. And then I heard a saying after that, bury the hatchet, but you leave the handle out of the ground. Because we want to keep coming back to it over and over. It's wrong. That's just wrong. That's not covering over sins. Let me go one step farther in this idea of loving someone by forgiving and by forgetting their sin. God teaches us that through this fiery preacher James. I want to look at a passage from him that we should actually go after people who have strayed from the word of, uh, from the word of God. And so James 5 says this, My brothers, my sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and what? And cover. There it is again. And cover over a multitude of sins. Maybe somebody's not here tonight or hasn't been here in this church on a Sunday for quite a long time because the enemy's gotten a hold of their heart and they have wandered wandered from this place. This is a passage that talks to us about loving them in grace and truth and bringing them back. And the sins that have been committed, and maybe they were committed against you within this church, uh, maybe against another person, we cover over them. We're not going to deal with those anymore. We're going to move forward and, and, and be different in this. Can you imagine loving people like that? Even people who have wronged us, betrayed us, denied us, hurt us in the past, 
we can cover over a multitude of sins. Jesus did it. And again, He's our example in life. And so think of Peter. He covered Peter. What did Peter do to Jesus? Denied Him three times, His Lord and Savior. How about Paul? Paul who later became Saul. What did, what did Saul, Paul, do to Jesus? He persecuted believers. He persecuted the body of Christ. How about those who crucified Him, nailed Him to the, the cross? What did Jesus say about them? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Cover over these sins. And you know what? There's another list. And that list involves you. And that list involves you. And that list involves you. And that list involves me. And He has covered over all the wickedness, all the sin, all the wrong words, all the wrong deeds that you and I have done in our life. He's covered over them. His love covers our sin. And if the standard is to love as God loves and as Jesus loves, then we are to cover, forgive, and forget the sins of those who have sinned against us. Let's look at this verse one more time. I want you to say it with me here. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers. Well, God's brought me to you this weekend here to give you some things that He's teaching us through His Word. Again, this isn't from me. This is from the Word of God. We've looked at what God has to say. Practical ways that you can love others. And so Sunday morning, we learned that love prefers. And you're going to go out of here from this time forward and you're going to have to make a decision each day. Am I going to prefer this person or am I going to prefer me and put them down? And so every encounter you have, and we're going to treat them as valuable because... Jesus commanded us to. Okay, It's not a suggestion. It's a command to us. The love command. And then He taught us that love does no harm. And so we're going to see ourselves as secret service agents. And we're going to look out for people who are hurting in life. And we're going to do all that we can to take the bullet from them. Even if it costs us or, or pains us or hurts us in some way. We're going to do what we can. And then we're going to be these people who leave wakes behind us that are peaceful and calm and bring blessing and joy into others' lives. And tonight He's taught us that, that love covers. And so those who have sinned against us, or those who have sinned against even others, we're not going to broadcast that news out. We're going to help them through it. We're going to be in prayer for them. And we're going to bless them in the midst of that. And by the way, let me just say this. These, ain't, these aren't all the ways that God wants us to love others. There's not just three ways in the Scripture. There's hundreds of ways He's calling us. We've only scratched the surface. And Chauncey, I guess I need to stay another seven days or 14, like you said, and we need to hit them as well. Um, let, let me just say this. I pray that you will open your life up and you allow God to teach you. He is your teacher, your personal instructor. You don't even need preachers. Because He's willing to do that for you by His Spirit, by the example of Jesus, by the Word of God. Those things teach us how to love. And so He can teach you another way that, that love builds up. And how do we build one another up? We can do that with our words. We can do that with actions. I love, love, okay, I'm obsessed with Legos. I love, I have thousands. My wife hates Legos tremendously. I love them. And our, our garage is filled. My house is filled. And so you know what you do with Legos, don't you? 
one brick. You take one brick and you add it to another and you add it to another and another and another and finally you get this masterpiece. And so love builds up in that way. If we choose to love people brick by brick, word by word, encouragement by encouragement, you will help create beautiful masterpieces. Another way love, uh, God teaches us to love is that love shows mercy. And man, we didn't deserve it, but He gave it. You know what mercy is, don't you? It's getting something that you don't deserve. Okay, we should have received punishment, but instead we we received something called grace. Um, And what a gift from God. Uh, Too many of us are judgment kind of people. And you deserve what you're going to get and shake a finger instead of saying, come on, let's let's give some mercy to this person in, in grace. He can teach you that love seeks the good of others. And we need to spend our lives trying to help others so they can be better people in this community. So many ways that He teaches us to love. And He's suggesting that you love others even when it's inconvenient to you. Okay, it's not a suggestion, is it? It's a what? Let me get my slide up there if I have it at the end. It's a command. Oh, yeah. And a command isn't optional for us. It's required of His people. If He's head of the church, if He's commander of the church, He's given us marching orders and it's to love. Lots of different ways we can experience that. Well, here's my end. What's left for you is for you and I to continue keeping this love command. Will this back me up? Chauncey, it does. And so I want you to stand together with me. We're going to read this command one more time. And I hope you'll consider committing it to mind, memorizing this passage so that it commits itself to your heart. And then you begin to live it out for the rest of your days. Let's read it together. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Pray together with me, would you? Father, thank you so much for this time. What a blessing it has been to be back in Brook, Indiana at First Christian Church. You know my heart is here. I love this place. I love this community. Um, It's what it's about is the people. I love the people. God, so many relationships we've built in the past, so glad we could reconnect again 27 years later. Because Lord, when we're in the church, it's one big church. And even though we might be surrounded by a few hundred miles, we're still the body of Christ. We're still your family. And it's so good to just pick up and, and visit and be together once again in fellowship. God, I pray over this church. I pray over Chauncey. I pray over the elders and and those who help to lead this fellowship here, Lord, that they would continue to to preach Your Word strongly, that they would continue to show by example what it means to love, that this church would continue to be a beacon of light and hope and love in a dark, dark world where there are people who are far, far from You. And even in a town of Brook, there are people, Lord, who are distant from You. And they need to know you. And so I pray for the ministry. I pray for the people here. That people would be reconciled because of this fellowship here. Lord, thank you for your love. It's where it all begins. We love because he first loved. That's what the scriptures tell us. And so this command you're calling us to be obedient to, we do it not because you're pointing a finger at us and and commanding us to go. We do it because we love you. Because of all that You have done for us, the mercy and grace You poured out, how You've covered our sins, how You preferred us over Yourself, how You show us no harm, Lord, but always have our good in mind. And so help us to live like Jesus the rest of our days. 
And it's in His wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> We're going to